All right, welcome to the Rekindling Ministries Fireside Chats. This is episode eight, I checked. And uh, we're continuing the political discussion, or or more specifically, the submission to governing authorities topic. Um, Maybe down the road we'll do a policy. It would be interesting to do a policies one. Um, But this one specifically is... If, as a Christian, as an American in the system, what if we have a governing authority, whether that's president or uh, um, congressperson, congressman, congresswoman, or even uh, a justice of the Supreme Court, right, whatever, whatever position of authority, and they're making decisions that we would disagree with, um, what are our biblical commands as, as Christians in response to that? And so we talked about how, you know, kind of point one, we all believe that Jesus is King of King and Lord of Lords. He's the ultimate authority, uh, him and, and his scripture. And then two, point two is that God has, has created a system to allow for these governing authorities uh, to kind of have the world progress, <laughs> right? Um, and so we are in the, uh, if I remember this correctly, a constitutional republic. Is that correct? Um, and so, and then what does that look like, right? Uh, and so as the followers, there's kind of three main things. There was the submit, which is the psychological internal decision, the obey, which is the behavioral, and then the uh, honor, and we talked the difference between honor and respect, and, and honor at least the position, if not the person, um, and how that is the general rule, what that looks like. Um, we didn't get a whole lot into, maybe we should say this real quick, why does God call us to submit, obey, and honor? Remember, we've talked in the past about how when God gives a command, he, he does because it's beneficial. And then when he gives a prohibition, he does so because it's detrimental. What is the, what is the benefit to the society, the followers, submitting, obeying, and honoring the uh, leaders? Oh, I know, one, we are commanded to live peaceably. And so if we're always fighting and arguing constantly, that is not going to be able to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also... Uh, Piggybacking on that, that was my first was so there is not anarchy or complete chaos right. uh, would be the big one. But then also just um, he always tries to give a framework for living for our benefit, for even our health. Yeah. So that's why he's asked us to do this or not asked, commanded us right. to do this. I'm always blown away. Like, you know, we kind of as Christians, a lot of times we just assume okay, God created everything he created. But God created the laws of nature that he did, gravity, you know, et cetera. He created color uh, and vision. Like, he came up with the idea of vision and then color to see that, shades of light. He came up with sense of humor. You know, he came up with um, this system of, I'm going to actually give them freedom from culture to culture and and season to season of what kind of government they're going to establish. I'll give them freedom on that. But then here's some rules that I'm going to give them. Uh, within that structure, which was amazing. So, for example, we pointed out that, um, you know, we, we don't have a king here. We've got the Constitu- Constitutional Republic, and that the Constitution actually takes the place as the king, right? And then the these authorities that we vote in. All that, you can go back and listen to the other episode on that, all that. But anyway, so we, we talked about what those those main points, um, why that's why that's good, and then we, we got into the qualifications for that, the number one being, obviously, if the law or the command is contrary to Scripture, we resist it. Um, and then we talked about the flight, fight, persevere, and how that can add some nuances to each actual scenario. We, we can't give just a blanket statement of how it should be every time, um, and so we, we got into some of that stuff. And so what we're going to do here in, in this episode, kind of two things, we're piggybacking off that. The first one is, so practically speaking, here that we are Christians in the United States of America, um, 
what are some ways that we should be in the process of submitting and obeying and honoring and paying attention to these qualifications and exceptions? What, how should we be engaged? And then the second thing is we're going to get into to tone and attitude and, and that kind of thing, the, the love stuff, Erica, that you were bringing up in the other episode. So the first thing is, what, what would you guys recommend given the way that our this constitutional republic is set up what should we be doing should we just let you know just again we already said this don't be apathetic don't do nothing so what would you say well um luckily our constitution sets up a very peaceable way of going about that in elections Mm -hmm. so you should be engaged in not just the main elections but your primaries to put in who you want to be running and then voting for Mm. the policies that align with scripture um, and that's very peaceable because it's allowed and it's that's one of our rights that we get to go do this. So that's the easiest, simplest, already set up way for us to be engaged in the correct way. Yeah. And so that would be you would say local, state and federal yeah. or national. And, and then you bring a good point to think about even the preliminary stuff, like like the, the primaries and that kind of stuff. Right. That's good. Ian. Yeah, and the whole reason for that is because we are a constitutional republic, which means we should actually focus at the local level first and then move our ways up. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the way that the news cycles and everything else goes, we almost look at this the United States of America as this top-down regime where it is actually not. The presidency is a placeholder, kind of, compared to what you can see at the state and local levels. Yeah. Uh, And that's one of the things that makes our republic so much different than all the other democracies that have been tried so just recognizing that you really should focus locally first yep. statewide because the states actually have the power right there's a thing called a convention of states that, that we can enact right and if we did that we can really almost reframe the federal government go ahead erica and also going beyond just participating at the level of voting if you are a Christian called to be in politics and actually participating in the system and trying to change it from within um, by standing up for those views that that God gives us can be another part of creating change on a larger level yeah. when possible. Uh, question for you. Danielle, go ahead. I was just going to piggyback off of that, that um, it would be wonderful for voting from the from the local side to the state side um but also being involved in your community when it comes to that and there's going to be somebody that's going to be affected by our local laws um to so to come as christians we can come alongside those people um even if it doesn't directly affect us yeah i think that's important so so this is maybe a policy question but i'm just gonna throw it real quick real quick because i'm curious so we're talking about like uh, that's a good point community and local and then state and federal. Um, where do you guys lean on the federal power versus state power? I think growing up, I just always assumed like if I was back in the because this was a huge debate in the late 1700s and then the 1800s. I mean, even led into the Civil War, this debate of state versus federal. And I think growing up, I said, oh yeah, federal power. And now I actually lean more towards state power with some exceptions that we at the federal level. I'm just curious, kind of where you guys might lie. I'm absolutely all for state yeah. being the, the most empowered area. Uh, that's exactly the way the uh, framers of the Constitution and of this government wanted it to be. Most of them. Most of them. Yeah. There were outliers, but yeah. even the outliers still recognized how amazing 
and as many of them put in some of their letters, divinely inspired. Yeah, this type of government was. Yeah, cool. Craig, what about you? Yeah, I would agree. Um, for most things, it's state, except for the federal government. To me, their goal is one: protection of the nation as a whole. Yeah. yeah two: right, right. to uphold the main parts of the Constitution and right. make sure each state doesn't say no. You don't have the right to free speech, or you don't have the right, right. to do. Outside of that state. constitutional framework, yeah. it should be states. This is great. This is something I actually agree with both of you on politically. Danielle, what do you think? I would say the state as well, but I agree with Craig on what he said about federal. Yeah. But the state is going to know their community needs better. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, look, we're all on the same page. That's great. Um, all right. So that, yeah, Erica, do you have a preference? I agree. State. There you go. Um, was that peer, was yeah, that peer pressure, the, by the way? The federal <laughs> was there unity, of us? but the state power. Yeah. Yeah. Right, cool. So that that was a more policy thing. I was just kind of curious. So, anyways, so so the biggest thing is to vote um, at all those levels, which means that you probably need to do some research um, into the different issues at hand, and then who are the candidates and what are their responses to those issues. Right. This requires a lot of work. Which, by the way, how, what, quickly, shortly, for someone that's like, hey, that's a lot of work. I would rather just whatever plays out plays out. What would you say? Um, not with the internet. It's not a lot of work. Every candidate that's running that's in your point. area puts up a website. They put their main ideas in there, and then it's really easy to go on, especially for the bigger things, um, to YouTube and just watch them at you know, a local courthouse or wherever they're speaking to see if what they've posted online yep. fits with what they're saying when they go out. It's very simple. There's also that website, isidewith.org. I've been on there a bunch. And they list all these different, I think it's only national right now, but they'll list different candidates and then they'll list the different issues. And you can, like they'll say, how, what, what they ask you questions on the policies and how do you respond? And then you give all your responses. And they usually have like two or three kind of general responses. And then they have other, I almost always click on the other because it's always very nuanced for me what I think. Um, but anyways, you go through and you can answer as many as you want. And then it'll tell you which candidate you most align with, which is, is really, really helpful. Uh, anyways, yeah, so that's a good point. There's a lot of resources out there for that. So do you have anything? There's also, I was going to just add to that, there's also the Christian Coalition who researches all the candidates and um, tries to find candidates that actually represent Christian views and ideologies. So it's the same kind of thing, just another group that's researching candidates. And they're researching according to biblical parameters. Right. Right. Um, all right, so so we have the, the voting, which is now going to imply... Uh, some knowledge of, of the issues in candidates, which goes a long way. Um, what else might uh, you say is, is something we can be doing to engage, to engage our governmental system? Um, protesting is a right for us. Civil, obviously. Yep. Protesting. So if there is a cause, um, instead of just posting about it on Facebook or ranting about it to your friends, there are plenty of opportunities to either show up or to donate to the causes that are that are trying to implement change. Mm. So that's a good point. Now you have donating is another option. You can participate directly, or you can donate to organizations that will do that more efficiently or more effectively. Ian? Yeah, and a, a huge one that I know is very effective is writing to your representatives. Mm -hmm. They are exactly what their title implies, our representatives to Congress. Yep. So if they want to continue re-election, they normally have to pay attention to their constituents. And that's a great way to enact and impact what's being um, put forth on the federal level. Mm -hmm. 
And in saying that, when writing to your reps, write to the most local rep you can because if you just send a letter to the governor, you're probably going to get an automated response like I have gotten multiple <laughs> times. So if, if everyone in their local districts wrote to their local leaders, now their local leaders are set in positions where they can get directly in contact with people higher up. Yep. So we have um, – go ahead, Erica. And there's also something to be said for one-on-one conversation with people of different views because just yeah. sitting and talking to people civilly, lovingly, you can do a lot and learn a lot by hearing another stance and by um, explaining the stance that you have without argument, without negativity. Yep. It goes a long way, not necessarily that it's going to change something immediately, but the more that people are interacting with one another and hearing intelligent conversation about the um, issues at hand, the more that that can just slowly uh, spread through people in that kind of interaction. And that goes back to the first two episodes we did on like why people differ on philosophy, theology, politics, and kind of how to handle that. A lot of times, and we got into like, you know, typically you don't like to change your opinion because if you change your opinion on something, it means that you were wrong ahead of time. And just psychologically, it's really hard to admit that you were wrong beforehand. But excuse me, beforehand. Um, and so a lot of times you just kind of hold to what you hold to because you've always held to it. And then someone gives you some other insight and you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that perspective before, you know, et cetera. So, yeah. So so what we have then is is, you know, researching and, and knowing the issues, uh, engaging those around you of differing opinions just so you can get more insights and more understanding, voting. Um, communicating with your the actual those in authority, especially at the local on up, uh, and then and then this is all that's all proactive, and then and I really like what you had said because that, that's all proactive. Reactive would be what if it's there's a bad situation going on? How do you react to it? So Craig, you brought up protest and you mentioned civil. Well, can you give me a definition? Of what you mean when you say civil protest? Um, just going, making your presence known, and and you know expressing your views, but. There's no need for violence and name calling and trashing a place and mm. trying to break into people's houses or break down the gates, right. you know, at Washington. Um, so, you know, do, obeying the laws and the rules um, in a respectful, yeah, but making your voice known. Yep. Right. And that's the right to peaceably assemble. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole point of that. Right. Part of that is protected by the Second Amendment. But that was the whole point. Yep. So we can assemble peaceably. And we see that, um, let's say you by yourself write a letter to a governing authority, and they may, they may not be persuaded by that one letter, but then when you see a bunch of people coming together, and they're doing it in a mature, respectful way, um, it becomes harder to to, to ignore that. And, and it's harder to ignore because, you know, you have to run for re-election. And if so, you're getting a, a majority of letters in, and the people in your area that are going to be voting for you are the ones sending you these letters, even if it's a policy that you wouldn't necessarily back. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have to go along with it because you want to be reelected. Yeah, and and then this brings up the point you had mentioned in the last episode about um, persevering for a year or two or whatever the t- four years for a president. That we, we once that person gets elected, you know, there may be some persevering if that person's not coming around, and then just doing your part to vote and bring out the vote and communicate why, and then and then you just elect, you know, another person. Um, I don't know enough about this, so I won't ask this question, but I'm curious because that gets into like gerrymandering, right? And and the the ways that some of the the certain cities or certain regions are always going to vote 
the same party, the way that, you know, I'm just curious, but I feel like that, that stuff's kind of broken, probably needs to be fixed. Uh, we also have the electoral college issue, which we're not going to get into. I wonder if that needs to be revisited or what. But but anyways, um, so so you have the vote. And then you also have, you might run. Um, that's always a possibility, too, at the local level or state or, or, uh, or federal, whatever. So, but the main point of all those things is you need to be engaged, um, and it would it would seem that as as Christians we we should be engaged um, in in the government, and you know again not extremes either extreme on that. Well, and actually, when you say engaged, I look at it this way: I've recently become a lot more engaged. However, there's a reason for that. I believe that as Christians, our first and most important is to look at the Bible always and try to be very engaged with the Bible and the body of Christ. After that, what is the second most impactful organization or or overall structure that we actually have to deal with in our lives? It's oh, government. Government, yeah. So I think that um, basically uh, political apathy is, is kind of rampant right now, or misinformation is the other really bad one. <laughs> right. But we, I don't think we've been teaching the next generations coming up how important government really is. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's go ahead and um, segue into. So that was some of the the ways that we should be engaged. Now let's let's move into a little bit of the how, um, as far as like attitude and tone and and love and all that. And I, and also I think uh, I don't think we actually did introductions for this episode yet. So let's let's go ahead and, and do that here in in the middle. Uh, if you've been listening, it's like these voices sound familiar, you know, et cetera. So so go ahead and, and let's introduce ourselves. So I, I'm Shannon Kirkpatrick. I'm the, the director of Rekindling Ministries. And I'm Ian Gray, a fairly regular on these podcasts. And I am Erica Gray. This is my second one of these podcasts. So now you're... I am now a pro. <laughs> That's great. I love it. And uh, this is Craig, and I'm very regular on the podcast, also the loud one, so... Yeah. Yeah. My name is Danielle Sarchet. This is my second podcast, and I have my son, Bruno. It is his first. He's two years old. His first rekindling podcast. And so we were joking earlier about, you know, when later on in life, he's in his teenage years or 20s. He's like, Mom, I think I'm going to be in a podcast. You can say, hey, he's already been on one. So uh, so if this is old Bruno listening, shout out. Hey, um, Bruno. It's kind of crazy, right, that he could be in his 20s and come back and listen to this episode. That's a that's just crazy. Uh, all right, so let's let's move in. So, Erica, you had brought this point up in the first episode, and you and I are on the same page on this. What is the greatest command for Christians? To love God and to love one another. Mm-hmm. And so what was the point you had made last time about one of the verses you had mentioned, like, whatever we do? Yeah, I think it's really important, and the Bible says it's really important as well, to speak the truth in love, and with all that we say, we should be building up one another, supporting one another, um, not tearing each other down. So that comes into political discussions as well, in which that can be much more difficult sometimes to maintain. But even in strong disagreements, the truth should still be spoken in love with room for another's perspective and with a kind, gentle, patient attitude, all of those things that we should do to exemplify Christ as much as possible in our discussion 
and and draw people in a loving way because nobody's going to just start listening all of a sudden because you're ranting and angry. Right. People are drawn by love and gentleness, and that's the only thing that might possibly change minds. Yeah, and I think this is the thing that like is biggest for me is the the attitude. Um, the motivation going on behind it all, like wh- whatever the policies are. Um, so a lot of times when I see my different friends on the spectrum arguing policies, I'm actually looking at, but what's the tone? What's the, what's the, the emotions, the heart going on behind? Let, let's address that. Cause this is kind of a B do you have type thing from the B do you have lens. Um, let's address that first. And so we did a whole episode on love back in season three on, on the, on the unpacking season. And, and you can go back and listen to all that, but the, the short summary, it, and it helps to remember this is remember the, the command says, love Lord your God and, and love your neighbor. But it says, um, all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So heart is the emotional component of love. It's that you have a deep affection for somebody. You're fond of them. Uh, the, there, there's an intimacy there. It's all the emotional stuff. Then soul is the commitment. And so if you love somebody with your soul, it's I'm, gonna, I'm committed to this person, even when they're screwing up, uh, doing bad, whatever. The mind is your attitude towards them and how you perceive them. So the mind is going to value and give worth to a person. The, um, it says, the Bible says that we, the love rejoices in truth and does not delight in wickedness. And so if you love somebody, you want them to do good beneficial things and you don't want them to do detrimental things. So that whole concept of if you love somebody, let them do whatever they want. No, 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 no. You, if you truly love them, you want them to receive and create benefit and you want them to avoid receiving or avoid creating detriment, right? So you still discipline can come in there, et cetera. Um, and so you, you rejoice in truth and, and not in wickedness. And so you want them to do good, loving, just things. You also, part of the mind, you are very patient and forgiving when they don't do good, loving things, that when they do do detrimental things. And then with your strength, that's the active component of love. So whether that's serving and meeting a need, or it's blessing and being generous to, or it's disciplining and training, uh, et cetera, those, that can be helpful. So a lot of times we throw around, well, of course I, I love that person that I disagree with. Do you? You know, and so and so this could be a president that you don't like or another government official or it could be just somebody else on Facebook that's of a different policy persuasion than you are, you know, and and when we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love them. Do you do you delight in them? Do you actually cherish them? Are you committed to them? Do you you know? Yes, we we know already. You definitely rejoice in justice and truth and not wickedness. That's why you have this frustration with them. But are you patient and forgiving of them? Are you actually trying to contribute to their well-being somehow? And so when you actually start getting those specifics, you start realizing, oh, maybe I'm not quite as much as I should. You know, it's not all or nothing. It's 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 a degree thing. But go ahead, Erica. Something that I have seen that has been really amazing is my husband Ian and my sister Christine, who are on completely opposite political ends of the spectrum and just differ in almost every idea that you you could possibly have. They're both more politically minded than I am, so so I haven't been very interactive in their conversations. But hearing them converse and have discourse about um, these things that they completely disagree on, but being able to do so in a loving and informative way. Mm-hmm. And they both have um, things to contribute because they are informed about the, the things that they're discussing, but they're not getting angry at one another. And mm-hmm. it's extreme things that most people would often end up angry. And so it's been wonderful to see that that can happen even with people that completely disagree on the issues, that they can still be spoken in love. And there has been some agreement where minds have been changed and there has been connection because of that way of interaction. Right. 
So, you have eaten some? Oh, I was just going to say, that's the other side of me that you don't see on Facebook sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. Because you I, have... You I, know have the, I know the good sides there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it's, And that, that's honestly why. There's been times when Ian has posted something on Facebook, I wouldn't agree, and I might reach out to him kind of privately. Um, but I do that because I know you have that, that temperate, in spirit side, and I've seen that, and so I want to I want to encourage you to do that more consistently. Yeah, and I've actually changed some of the ways that I uh, post things. Yeah. I, I change the verbiage I use, not yeah. necessarily the heart, because as we discussed before, I've got the heart for the people. I don't always have the patience. Right, right, which is not a whole cup of tea. But um, so so we want to make sure that as we're engaging in the politics, and as we're submitting and honoring and obeying, and, and as, as we're also embracing the qualified statements to that and the exceptions to the rule, if we're fighting or fleeing or persevering, whatever the, the answer is in that scenario, the attitude is vital. And so it would start with love. Um, you have the whole fruit of the Spirit. So there should be a peace about you. You shouldn't be worried or you shouldn't be full of fear. Um, the, the joy, you should, you, there, you should be excited in a joyful mood. Obviously not about the, the stuff that's ticking you off, but there's other things in life to be joyful about. And so if you're walking in step with the Spirit, you've got this love for the person that you disagree with. Um, you're at peace because you know, you know where you're bound. You, you know that God's still in control if he's not controlling um, you have this joy about the other things that bring you joy. Uh, there's a gentleness and a temperance to your approach. So like, for example, you know, I, I would lean towards the idea of no anger, no place for anger. I know some of you guys would say, I think there's a place for some anger, not like uncontrolled rage. Right. Um, and so we would, we would all agree on, on not the uncontrolled rage. Um, but just this idea of temperance and gentleness as, as you, we go about it, I look at Paul saying, rid yourself of all anger. Uh, and obviously rid yourself of all bitterness. If you're bitter, um, there's been times when people have like wronged me and I was bitter and I wanted to, uh, address the situation with them. But, and, and there's been times when I've addressed it in bitterness and I can tell you it did not go well, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I've really been trying to be, to restrain myself. I'm like, let me get rid of the bitterness first. And that's not through sheer willpower. That's leaning on the spirit and, and, and scripture studying prayer and all that. Um, but let me get rid of the bitterness before I, before I approach. Um, uh, and so like in the, in the notes that we had, um, there's you want the positive presence of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Remember, kindness is usefulness. So how am I being useful to this person that I don't agree with? Um, so the presence of all those positive things and then an absence of the negative things like hate uh, or anger, um, depending on how you, how you qualify that, um, bitterness, envy, right, all those. Um, we know from the Be Do Have concept that typically – we kind of skip past the B things, right? And and whatever the issue is, the issue itself becomes more important to us than our attitude as we engage the issue. Would you guys, are you guys in agreement with me or would you give pushback on that your attitude and the state of mind and the state of your heart is equally important to the issue at hand? I believe strongly that the attitude is more important than the issue. Even more important than the issue. Okay. Yes. And Danielle, what would you say? I would have to say attitude is a very big part of it. Um, you have you have to work through those through those emotions mm-hmm. and realize why do you feel that fear? Why do That's you feel that question, worry? Yeah. Why do you disagree so adamantly that anger? Um, because something needs to be brought out and addressed. 
Um, but operating in fear and worry is not good because bad things will come out of that. Yeah. Ian, what would you say? I like that, by the way, Danielle. Uh, yeah, I, I actually do agree. I, in some ways, I'd say maybe it's a little bit more 50-50, but then I kind of heartfully listened to what was just responded at. And, and I think uh, a lot of times we are doing governance out of fear instead of out of fact. And in that, we're creating exactly what they didn't want to have happen was kind of a mob rule decision where they're utilizing mm. just all these emotions and all this stuff to make people vote or consider a, a thing a certain way and they gloss over the facts so i think it should be that whatever the the politic is should be most important but because we've ingrained mm. uh people to get so motivated by their heart that we now have to look at that attitude. Okay, Craig, what would you say? I would say they're, yeah, about at least equally important to yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're all, so we're all in agreement there that we need to be doing this heart check and mind check in a, alongside the the policy check or the issue check. Um, now, I know as humans we can easily kind of minimize our own failures. You know, we maximize the failures of others. And so one could say, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine in my heart. I'm totally good where I'm supposed to be. So let's get to the policy at hand. We can't speak for other people. So for you guys specifically, what, what's, um, what's something you can do for yourself that you can say, ooh, I know I've made an accurate heart check um, before I get into the issue at hand. Do, do you guys have anything that you use yourself to kind of check yourself? Because I, I know, Craig, you've been on a journey for the last number of years to bring more of that gentleness into it and that kind of deal. But how, how do you guys check? What are some, some tools that you use to check yourself? I mean, one tool I can use uh, is, so I have a family member who does, we, we don't completely disagree, but on certain topics we have disagreements, and they happen to be the ones that I'm most passionate about. And so I, I get frustrated, um, not angry at the person, um, just the whole mindset behind mm. that person. But because it's a family member and I love this person, I will intentionally not say things a certain way when arguing or talking with this person because I don't want them pushed away. Mm. And so I'm not great at doing it, but sometimes I, I'll do it when I'm starting to get heated and think, would I talk to this person that I don't want to be pushed away the way that I'm talking to the person right now? Hmm. And most of the time it's no, I would not because if I talked to this family member this way, they would stop, you yeah. know, talk and it would, it would sever the relationship. So you look at actual word choice word. Cho yes. Be well, cause if you're, especially everything's done on social media and yeah. so you can't, tell what the the meaning behind the way you type something out right so they can read it any way they want and if if they're if you guys are back and forth frustrated they're gonna read it frustrated unless you intentionally type it in a way that they would really have to be stretching right right that's so that's I, I i do that i try to do that sometimes in the heat of mode i don't think of it but i've been trying to think of that what i would i type this to my family member this way not wanting to hurt the relationship yeah that's great Ian, what about you? Yeah, unfortunately, like for what Craig was saying, I don't think there's enough emojis in the world that can make a political discussion work right <laughs> yeah. on Facebook. <laughs> right. Um, you cannot. 
and that's just the nature of writing. I mean, that it's an email, letters, anything else. You can't really decipher somebody's tone or heart unless, like Craig does, use extremely tight verbiage. Right, right. Make sure that any words you're using can't be chopped up. Yep. Uh, for me, uh, I try to take the biggest approach I take is this person is a human. That's number one. I have to take some of that. And no matter what they say to me or what their tone is, I have to be above reproach in everything I do. Mm -hmm. So I try to, again, tonally, like Craig does, through proper word choice, try to focus only on the actual conversation at hand and not the heart value behind it. Yep. So even when you get into certain things that are very, very heart-wrenching, like the abortion issue, which that's a human issue, mm -hmm. and that's a love issue for another being. But I try to take it and make it as scientific as possible because sometimes just... Oh, so you're not as emotionally charged. I try to take all my emotions out of it, and that's yeah. why a lot of times you say that you can see my temperance. There's times where I lose it. <laughs> that's human nature. Right, and right. And I, I always say that I don't have a lot of patience for people that are not using their intellect. Right, 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 right. Did I say that right? You did. It's good. good man. We had a discussion outside the podcast. Man, yeah. So so for me, and, and when people aren't, I you know, I used to get on the bandwagon of the name calling and snowflakes and all that. That doesn't get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's as funny as it might sound, it's actually not funny because it's, it's gone too far. Right. So I try to strictly look at it as as intellectually as possible with facts and facts only and yeah. take away any of the feelings yeah because feelings don't do anything for a political discussion they yeah. don't yeah and danielle you said um a minute ago about like you know when you're dealing with some issue first you're like all right so what am i feeling because and why am i feeling it's like why am i afraid or why am i angry or whatever um because there's some issue that needs to be addressed with that first before you deal with the other issue Practically speaking, like, how does that kind of play out for you? Like, I mean, is this like, like just like sitting down and kind of meditating on this stuff or talking it out or what? I, I'm trying different techniques right now because okay. I'm, I'm in a situation where it's not political discussions, but dealing directly with legal uh, governance and, and yep. legal things. Um, so I find meditation is helpful, but also trying to put discipline. Okay, I'm only going to think about this issue for one hour or two hours. A big thing for me too, to help oh, that's good. control and to regulate myself, is uh, having three at least three people in my life that can help me do that. Mm. Because I do tend to, I've had fear in my life for a very long time, and I think that one of the ways that God tests me is by putting some fearful situations in my life. But I, I'm learning not to operate in fear. But if I let fear overrule me, I make irrational decisions. Mm. So to have three people, at least in my life, that I can say, okay, I'm thinking this. Do you think this is right? Right. What should I do That's about great. it? And then also, I think being able to communicate with other people who have those experiences and maybe more intelligence. Sorry, my knees crawling all over me. That that's been helpful for me. Um, yeah, to step back and not let those emotions control, um, but then also realize that they're there and they're there for a reason, and I have to work through them. Right. 
I think is important as well. Yeah, that's key. That they have to be worked through, not that's ignored. Right, not ignored. Yes. Yeah, Erica, what 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 about you? What what are some practices you've set up for yourself? So I think during a conversation, if I can ask myself, because I I get passionate, I sometimes like to argue. Um, but if I can ask myself, what is my purpose in this conversation? Mm-hmm. And also, can I produce any good in this conversation? Oh, that's good. So sometimes there's, even if I'm saying everything wonderfully and it makes sense, if there's not an, um, an opening on the other side, then there is no way that I could produce any good by continuing to speak, no matter how right my words may be. That's so recognizing point. that, um, it's not always beneficial, hmm. even if it's right. It's not always going to produce anything. But it's the principle. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always going to produce something positive, you know. So um, I think those are two things. What is the purpose? Why? Yeah. Why do I need to continue this? And can this make any positive difference? If it can't, then there's no point in continuing the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I, I'll whiteboard. We're either actually on one of my whiteboards here in my house or I'll mentally, if I'm walking ghosts, just kind of go through my head process. Um, another big one for me is, is like script. I'll think of scripture and the parameters that I'm learning through all the studies that we're doing. I'm like, all right, what would the best version of Shannon look like in response to this? Because a lot of times it's like, a lot of times we, we look at, let me just make sure I'm not like going in this extreme version this way, that I'm not like physically attacking the person or I'm not calling them names. As long as I'm doing not doing that, I'm fine. I want to I want to get away from that type of thinking and say, all right, so not only am I not doing those bad things, I don't want to get just kind of the middle, like at least that's okay. What would like a really, you know, Christ emulating, loving, wise, mature Shannon look like in this? And typically, as you think through what that's going to look like, I don't want to do that, right? My flesh does it anyways. Um, but you're just being motivated um, to, to, you know, to, to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. Of not only, Shannon, in that situation, did you not do these really bad things, you actually excelled and went the opposite extreme in a very loving, mature, Christ-centered way, right? And, and that's that's one of the things I'll, I'll kind of think through myself. And that's exactly the way that we should handle this. I think one of the biggest problems that we're having currently um, with our leaders all the way down to uh, most people just like her sister or even mm-hmm. you and I, we've had very good conversations. Yeah. But that's very rare anymore. Yeah. Right now we are in a culture that is really removed one God. So that whole Christ and me thing is out the window. Yeah. And even as Christians, we've almost been taught that we have to fight just like that, which is wrong. Right, right, you're right. You know, and we don't often check ourselves, especially when you know, everybody goes, well, this is politics and religion's not supposed to be in politics, right? That's what it says. No, that's not what it says, first of all. But also, uh, keeping in line with your Christian faith means that you have to walk like Christ even in politics. Yeah, absolutely. So go ahead, Erica, and let me wrap up. Yeah, I think it's important that we recognize that we are representatives of Christ on this earth. And so in all that we do, that we try to keep that in mind. So that actually, go ahead, Craig. I was to say real quick, one way to help pretty much anyone across the board with this that's a Christian is um, if you are in that kind of a situation, stop real quick, say a prayer about what to say and pray for the person. And it's very hard, I feel like, to pray for someone and ask for the spirit to guide you in what to say to then spitfire hate. Yeah. So that could be helpful. And a good point there, you said, you know, to ask for what to say. So that that Im- implies a listening prayer as well, not just a reciting prayer. 
So, so in wrap up, you know, we talked about how you need to actually, there's a lot of effort here because there's effort to be, you know, intellectually to research and know and understand the different issues and the different sides and the different possibilities, et cetera. Um, there's effort to physical effort to go out and vote. Um, there's the effort, the huge emotional and spiritual effort of just getting the right heart set and mindset as you go through all this stuff. This is all a lot of work. And human nature, path of least resistance, we're not going to do that work, right? And just telling somebody they're supposed to typically doesn't work. So I'm going to go around, just, we'll do a go around here and just ask each of you guys, what is a strong motivation for you? Um, or maybe a motivation you would encourage the listener with of, yes, it is a lot of work. And yes, it goes against what my flesh wants. My flesh wants it this way. But this is something that motivates me um, to go ahead and make some more effort in the researching, in the voting, in getting the right heart set and mindset, et cetera. What's a motivation for you or one of the reasons why you do try to make the effort to, to make these changes? So, you know, we'll start with you and we'll just go around. I think the biggest thing for me is, uh, and this is more of the Christian viewpoint, is because our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian values, and I believe that they are being removed rapidly from our culture and from our politics. So for anybody listening that is a Christian, getting that understanding and then having the motivation to go and learn about these things only enacts change to hopefully continue this government to enact and withhold the Judeo-Christian values that we were founded on. Okay, so you, you trust in Judeo-Christian values and you want to see them at a society level. Uh, and so because of that, it's motivating you to be engaged politically and spiritually, et cetera. Absolutely. Okay. Erica, what's the motivation for you? I know we talk about you're not say, as polit politically engaged as, as Ian is, but in general, this idea of being politically engaged but doing so in a very loving, biblical, Christ-like manner, what's the motivation for you? So I think just that I would want to say to every Christian um, and every person that I interact with in regards to politics to please be loving and be kind because your views aren't going to be heard if you're not because it's more important to keep positive relationships than it is to yell about something that you're not making any difference in anyway and just to remember what I had said a few minutes ago that as a Christian we are representatives of Christ on this earth. So being able to represent him well is so important. And it's really, really um, sad, I guess, to see people who are calling themselves Christians then going on... Um, unloving. Yeah, and unloving ways towards other people. Yep. So that's, I guess, my, my main motive is to, to spread love and kindness, whether or not somebody agrees with my political <laughs> perspective. Right. Craig? Um, mostly because I live here and my family lives here and I may have kids one day that may live here. And so if, if Christians and people that uphold the Bible aren't engaged, the other people will be. And things are easy here now so it's easy to say I don't need to put the work in because there's nothing happening that can only last so long and if people aren't putting the work in things can get bad really quickly yeah and so it's worth the effort because okay maybe it my grandparents might not be affected but you know I'm gonna be or my kids or the younger generation's gonna be and so it's a duty in my mind mm. to leave some sort of moral standing for the future to, to live in. 
Yeah. Danielle? I think for me, it comes down to being able to connect and help people. These are our laws were put into place for order to not have chaos, but also to have a thriving life, uh, whether that be family values, whether that be just health care, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So by getting involved, even though we don't think that one small change will make a big impact, it does. Yeah. So being involved with the community is for me just simply to help people. Yeah. Bruno, you got anything? Yeah, I. <laughs> um, I think, I think for me, um, <laughs> the, um, one, so one thing is I used to kind of think all or nothing. And I looked at the, the passage that says a good soldier doesn't get caught up or entangled in civilian matters. And I used to read that as, um, you know, I, I don't want to get entangled in politics. Therefore I'm just not going to deal with it. And I kind of went the opposite extreme. But then I've learned, no, no, that's not that's not good for me just to stay out of it. I need you can be engaged without being entangled. And so I want to be engaged, not entangled. And the main reason that I want to be engaged is I want to actually be able to com- converse with people on this. If I don't really know the issues at hand, then I don't know how to communicate with them or I also don't know who to vote for. Um, and so I, want, I, the, I, I need to know what's going on so I can know who to vote for and how the conversations and then like Erica to me, love is the, is the command. It's the, everything underlies all of that. And so I also want to engage, you know, I've got, uh, I, I look at sometimes the, the far left and I just kind of shake my head in confusion because I don't understand the logic behind it. But then I look to those on the far right and I just wince at the attitude behind it. Um, and a lot of times I have a harder time with those on the far right than I do the far left, just I think because of expectations and things like that. Um, but I, I want to make sure that I'm loving them because Jesus commands me to, and I see the power of what love can actually accomplish. And so, and so it's that I want to know so I can communicate with and, and vote um, well, and then I want to have that love because that's what makes us shine most as Christian. So, so this one went a, a tad long, but I think it was still good, still shorter than most of the, the season three stuff. Um, and so, thanks for listening. Um, I hope that there was something, a, a takeaway for you, the listener, and some application um, to to go vote, to go vote. You know, educate, educated, um, and then obviously tone uh, and attitude is, is so big and all that. So, thank you guys, and we'll see you guys for the next episode.